time I would see Bus Super. Because I'm a builder and they take care of me. Well, I had an accident on the work site and they helped me out, no worries. Yeah, they helped me out real fast. Mate, they just get me. Because they are for all of us. Seabus, for all of us. To consider if Seabus is right for you, visit seabussuper.com.au for a copy of the PDS. I had to go about it, write it out and find it myself. And there's some stories I can tell you. This is the final word, World Cup Daily, Day 11 for Seabus Super, the industry super fund. Hitting your retirement for six, I'm Adam Collins. Jeff Lemon is sitting to my left. I've just ran up the stairs from being mobbed by about 10,000 Indian fans, not because of me, because of my colleague, Harsha Bogle. That was fun. And here we are at the end of a magnificent day for Indian cricket. They've beaten Australia in, I wouldn't say a close contest. The scoreboard belies that to a certain extent because they were fantastic. Australia were subpar. And I'm going to get Jeff Lemon to tell you all about it in 30 seconds. I'm going to even use a stopwatch today. Uh, India smashed Australia. They came out and made 352. Uh, everybody made runs. There was a good spell early from Stark and Cummins that kept the scoring low, but then after that they just built platform on platform and then the hitters came in, Hardik Pandya, MS Dhoni and KL Rahul and smashed the ball around late. In reply, Australia never got out of first gear. David Warner soaked up way too many deliveries early. Usman Quadra and Steve Smith heaved away but couldn't get going and it was only some smashing from Maxwell and Kerry at the end that flattered them and made it look closer than it actually was. You're getting really good at that. That's 29 and a half seconds uh, you've managed to sum that up in. Uh, let, let's dig a bit deeper. Um, starting, I think we originally about a week ago were saying player of the day started their format. Let's go back to that. Uh, who was the player of the day? Who are we going to identify as the most defining person on the pitch? The most defining person on the pitch? Like maybe it's maybe it's Jasper Boomer because he meant it was impossible for Australia to get the start they needed to get. I thought Boomer and Bovi bowled beautifully. Like, and I was advocating Shammy playing today before the game. I, I thought that the way he uses the short ball and his varieties were worth considering him. But how can you leave out Bhuvneshwar at the moment? And Boomer, every time he bowls, it's like uh, you, you think he can't bowl any better. And he does it again and yep. again. He's the most consistent bowler on the planet. Three for 50 and three for 60 between them, which, you know, in the old days might not sound like the, the greatest um, returns. But when you're defending more than seven and over, then it's uh, very comfortably more than what you need. And then in terms of the, the batting and the way they set it up, look, Hardik Pandya at number four, when he, goes, when he launches the run rate, they're only going at about four and a half, five an hour at that stage. They were ticking over very nicely. Don't get me wrong. Uh, Shikha Darwin had made a, a runner ball century, but they had yet to really pull the trigger. And first ball of his innings after being ele- ele- elevated to four, Hardik Pandya edged behind and, and Coulton Isle uh, was the bowler and Alex Carey was the wicketkeeper. And that was uh, as, as easy a chance you'll get in professional cricket. And mm. Carey put it down. That hurt. Yes, that was very painful. Well, also, Coulter Nile had a, a, would have been a screamer if he'd hung on to it um, at the backward point. Was it very early in the match off Darwin It was mid-wicket, well. yeah, yeah. yeah. It was great, great attempts, though. Was it off Rohit Sharma? Then? Yeah, I think it, it was. It was off the right-hander. Yeah. Um, yeah, because it was flicked away and, and he dived away and couldn't quite hold it. So there were a couple of half chances that could have made things different. But yeah, Rohit made the 50 and then got out, which is what the Indian fans wanted because they wanted Kohli to come in. <laughs> Kohli came in. Uh, Shikhar Darwin made one of the kind of hundreds that he makes. He's... 
he's either beautiful or hideous as a batsman. He's either heaving away to mid-wicket or he's just playing everything along the carpet through cover and backward point, and he had one of his carpet days today. Oh, I was going to say, I was hoping you weren't going to sledge in there. I thought he played beautiful oh, no, the, today. He, he's he's the, one of the most attractive batsmen yeah. in the world when he's good and one of the ugliest when he's bad, but he was on song today. The and- boy from Noble Park yeah. in Melbourne where he lives these days, not far from where, I'm, where, I, was, where I grew up and where I was born. Yeah, I thought he was brilliant. Um, down the list, MS Dhoni, even KL Rahul, it was a cameo, but... 11 off three balls I mean, is good you know, enough. They all, they all played their role, and I felt like at the halfway mark, if you're scripting an Indian innings, a perfect Indian innings, that's it. Because they, oh, yeah. they, they they've made their mind up a couple of years ago to stop having a crack in the power play. Their, their view is that they've got so much T20 batting strength that mm-hmm. they can wait late. Yep. So provided they've got wickets in hand, um, they can pile on whatever they want once they've assessed the conditions and, yeah. and so forth. And that's, you know, today I think they made 124 in the final 10. I think roughly. Yeah, I think it was 116, 116 in, in the sorry, final 10. The wrong way. But either way, they, they had the, the ability to do that because they had players in hand ready to roll in as they saw fit. And they had Coley there not out. And so he was going at about 8 and over through the last 10 and yep. his partners were going at 14 and over at the other What did Coley finish with? Uh, 82 not. Uh, sorry, 82. 82 out. 82 out. Um, Hardik Pandya, though, 48 from 27 balls. The first time I saw Hardik Pandya bat in the flesh was at the Champions Trophy against yeah. Pakistan. No, in that, um, it, it, it's in Birmingham. Oh, right. It's, so the um, final here when he went bananas. but the, not, the, not the final, the game in Edgebaston right, when they you. played yep. in the group stages. And he came in with an over to go and he hit Imad Wazim for three sixes in a row, three <laughs> off three balls, back into the stands. And Imad Wazim's a very good death bowler, death spinner. But that power was on display there and he brought that out today. Three sixes and four fours in his 48 of 27. Changed the momentum and then Dhoni came in after that 27 from 14. So India have solved their number four problem. All they have to do is make 220 in about 35 overs <laughs> and then pop Hardik Pandya in at four. Job yeah, done. Yeah, it was going to be Hardik Pandya or MS Dhoni. So KL Rahul, who's the incumbent, will seldom bat four if they set up the way they did today. And with the ball... I don't think Mitchell Stark bowled particularly well. His figures won't reflect this, but uh, early on when they needed to get an early breakthrough to prevent that base being laid, Stark was, I haven't seen his beehive, but it's not going to be flattering, especially given how well he finished on Wednesday at Nottingham. I thought he was disappointing. Um, Aaron Finch made the point after play that he didn't think they gave themselves enough chances early on with the ball. So the pressure was already transferred on to them in that, back of the power play overs them sort of 10 through 20 they're on the back foot and they never looked like a chance and, at that stage and that was the thing is that they'd consolidated early because Cummins was bowling really well and so on so they were none for 41 after 10 overs but India none for 41 after 10 looked a lot more dangerous than Australia none for 46 after 10 or 48 whatever it was mm-hmm. because India were going to face Marcus Stoinis, Glenn Maxwell, Adam Zampa, whereas Australia had to face Kuldeep Yadav, Yuzvendra Chahal, you know, great wrist spinners, having just seen off the really good pace bowling openers. Yeah, everything needed to go right for Australia in their chase, and, and the fact that Warner did not come off today at all, uh, and then he... Well, I think it's... I watched the replay a few. I think he did run out Aaron Finch. I think it's fair to say that he called two off the bat, Finch... Perhaps didn't realise. Finch hesitated, though. Well, on I, the yeah, I run. F- well, I feel as though Finch didn't realise that Warner running hard was doing it in order to come straight back. I think Finch, I think right. Finch was thinking, well, we'll run the first one hard and see what happens. And yeah. by that point, Warner's three three yards down, and Finch yeah. is still, you know, sort of not quite out of the blocks for that second run. So he was furious, though, wasn't he? Finch seldom gets run out. He was yeah. absolutely furious. But what happened, though, was was that they did come through the, for the first. Finch turned around and then stopped. And I don't. I think that might have been his decision to stop. He stopped and then started again, and that was enough. He was only run out by, yeah, yeah. you know, under a foot. So if he had gone, he would have made it. You know, Warner's a very good judge. And I thought I, I was I was on air calling that at the time, and 
soon as it was off the bat, I thought that's two. That's two for Warner because he runs those twos every time. And had they gone, had Finch gone, it would have it would have been safe. So, but so I don't think that was Warner's fault. But I think the rest of it was Warner's fault because he absolutely cooked that innings. It was it was hideous. Fifty six off eighty four balls. You're chasing three hundred and fifty. He faced forty six dot balls. Yeah, I was going to say I think that stat came through. Forty six dot I balls. I counted them by hand off the ball by ball coming right. through because that's what I do. But you cannot do that. And I know he was facing good bowling, and I know you have to defend some of the time, but he wasn't even looking to score singles half the time. He was just blocking the ball away and, and not even looking to just open the face, angle it, nudge it, find a gap. There were gaps. And he was just he was blocking back maidens. He was blocking back overs for one run. You cannot be doing that chasing 350. It's just insane. Another friction point was who would bat where in the Australian lineup in light of the fact they needed everything to go right. Ben Jones, our colleague, made a good point. If you're chasing... Squillian, that you want Glenn Maxwell to face as many of those balls as possible. If it comes off, it does. If it doesn't, it doesn't. And they didn't, I don't know when Maxwell came in, it must have been about over 38 or 39 or something like that, um, which was too late in the piece. Kawaja eventually did get his act together and started hitting some boundaries towards the end of his innings, but um, he was going at well below a runner ball for the bulk of his partnership with Stephen Smith. And, you know, had they had their time again, had Maxwell been able to have played the sort of innings he did, admittedly it was a cameo, uh, as it often is when you come in chasing 11 runs and over, which was the equation where Maxwell walked out. Had it been like that at eight and over when Kawaja walked out, the whole mindset might be Mm. different. The whole game could could turn on that. I mean... it's hard to sort of bolster the counterfactual argument uh, now, but I feel yeah. as though at the time that that was an ill-considered move. Well, it, it was. I mean, Kawaja heaved away a couple of boundaries late, and so he ended up at, at 42 off 39, but he never looked in control at all. He was he looked desperate. He was just trying, striving to find the boundary, but didn't have the timing. Steve Smith was 69 off 70, and even he, you know, the pressure from Warner's slow batting was transferring onto Smith he sure. was he was playing heaves rather than the kind of strokes that he normally plays so they just looked out of sorts the whole way down so you know Maxwell 28 off 14 but it, had he come in earlier without that sort of pressure of having to go at a dozen and over it might have been a little bit different and then Kerry's really just saved the blushes at the end he made 55 off 35 and was very brisk but it just means that you know Australia should have been flogged by 100 runs and he had a, a, a fun net out in the middle and made some runs but yeah. It makes it look closer than it was. Yeah, that, that was my interpretation as well. Michael Slater, on the other hand, he thought Alex Carey was going to win the game for Australia and he was gutted that his mates were letting him down like Pat Cummins and Nathan <laughs> Coulton. Those former Australian cricketers take it really hard when Australia lose, I find, mm. on the TV. Uh, yeah, no, credit to Smith, though. I, I think that Smith was the one who, when things weren't going so well, he was trying to get resourceful. But, yeah. I mean, Chahul and Kuldeep. Chahul, again, he's such an impressive leg spinner. I, I love this wrist spin revolution. I don't know what Chahul's final analysis was. I've just run up off the street. But um, it probably won't reflect how well he bowled. His record against Maxwell is outstanding in all forms of the game, whether it's IPL, T20 internationals, one-day internationals. And, again, Coley as captain. He just finds a way of making bowling changes at the right time. And, maybe four balls into that spell from Charhul that picked up Maxwell and again that, that shifted the, the trajectory of the game. Yeah, 10 overs 2 for 62 for Isavandra Charhul, the diminutive skinny little leg spinner. He's, he's sort of, he's, he's a very interesting physical character you, to be playing international sport. I stood next to him in a lift a couple of days ago. You'd fit two of him into you. He, he's, not, he's not big at all. I've also got to say a word for Nathan Coulter-Nile. The highs, the lows. You make 92 off 60 balls one day. You make four off nine balls the next and then hole out. <laughs> trying, to, trying to smash one out of the ground. And a positive word about Nathan Coulson. First spell, he did not bowl well. His no. first spell 
It was as ropey Dross. as you will. See. Yeah, he, it was. And he would he would agree. It was Dross. Dross Taylor. He came back. <laughs> Wicket Maiden. Wicket Maiden with his first over back, picking up Rohit Sharma. Then won the edge of Hardik Pandya immediately, and he was a f- much improved bowler in the second half. So he'll probably keep his spot on that basis. Although I wonder down in Taunton, Hyderabad, yeah. whether there will be a case for playing Nathan Lyon. Well, wasn't there a case for playing Nathan Lyon here? Yeah. Glenn Maxwell was ragging it. He was bowling off breaks that were turning substantially. Surely, surely on the on this sort of dry on a worn wicket that they'd already used for the uh, New Zealand Bangladesh game, surely Lyon should have been a strong contender. Hard to drop Kultanal after his performance on Wednesday. That that's a that's I mean, I don't disagree with you, but it would have been a, would have been a really tough call after being out of the match getting punted. Back Kultanal at 7 and drop so One of your many batsmen who are not doing their job. And Marcus Stoyne has failed with the bat again today. Looked okay with the ball, but um, he's going to have to start making a contribution there. We need to keep moving it along, Jeff. Uh, player of the day, we've dealt with enough. Um, we'll move on to the, uh, the, the Hall the of, of Fame. Fame. Well, the bales didn't come off again today. What Dave? is going on? Five. That's the fifth time. And, I'm, and I mean, we, we said yesterday it, it rolled back relatively hard when Ben Stokes was bowling. This was even harder. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I was listening on one of the TV commentators, I'm not sure who it was, it probably wasn't Sanjay Mandraker, uh, made the astute observation, it was probably Kumar Sangakara, that the, the, original, the original reason we have bails is to help the umpires identify when the ball hit the stumps back in the oldie days, right? Mm-hmm. With the sensor technology that now exists, surely we can do away with bails altogether and when the ball has made contact with oh. the stumps... That's out. That's out. And maybe the bale doesn't have to be dislodged. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you've hit the stumps, you've hit the stumps. I didn't know that backstory to bales, that it was to help umpires know whether the ball would hit the stumps or not because right. enough dodgy activity would happen. Well, no, because it does It does happen these days. The I, I was reading someone on Twitter a couple of days ago in, in a league in, I don't remember, Netherlands maybe. There was a lot of, there was strong wind and they were playing without bales and there was a big hoo-ha because all these players were appealing that the ball had hit the leg stump and the batsman was not walking and the umpire was saying that he wasn't sure. So, you know, you, you can still play without bales and have the umpire have to make a decision on whether the ball's hit the stumps not whether it would have dislodged the bale and when you're looking at an umpire's call on DRS with a, a sliver of the ball hitting the stump exactly. could you now say well that probably wouldn't have knocked the bale off so he's not out. I think that's a really good point and look we've, we've put man on the moon several times we probably will again soon if you read the reports in the news over the last few days. <laughs> no we'll put them on a piece of Mars. <laughs> yeah a piece of Mars uh, so I, I think on that basis that the fix here is just doing away with bales altogether there you go. There's our hot take for the day. Yeah, hot take. No more bales. I'm is not it, sure if that's Hall of Fame. This, Can they go back-to-back Hall of Fame? This is like bales and bales. <laughs> this is like Warney saying we need to have bigger stumps. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Remember that right. one? Bigger stumps and no bales. Let's let's get rid of it and make the goals bigger in football. I was going to say, goals it. bigger and get rid of offside and then <laughs> yeah. people wouldn't throw flares at each other. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, <laughs> right. So what, what else is in the Hall of Fame The crowd today? were amazing today. But, I mean, I want to I I say that as astonishing a crowd as it was today, there must have been 97% Indian fans. Mm-hmm. Uh, fair play to the handful of Australians who didn't sell their tickets to scalpers. Like, good job for actually coming along. I'm assuming that's what must have occurred because there were about 36 Australian fans. Well, well 79% of tickets today went to Indian fans in the in the sale. The, the World Cup data reflected that. So that means 21% of fans here today weren't Indian fans, yet good luck finding 20, a fifth of people here who weren't Indian. So no. on that basis, that says to me that Australian fans have got tickets, realised they could sell them for five times face value right. and made a killing. So to the Australian fans who didn't on-sell their tickets, well played to you. You're proper <laughs> cricket people. <laughs> and, I think they're in the bloody Hall of Fame. And, and, and to the rest of you, you you're just it's just how the market works. That's what the market demands. Who are you to resist market forces? Um, right, in terms of what else is in there, I... 
there's there's not a whole lot that springs to mind. I mean, Shikhar Darwin scored about six boundaries over the wicketkeeper, which I particularly enjoyed, both yeah. on on just to the leg side and just to the offside. Yeah, yeah, he yeah he was resourceful. Uh, you know, it, it actually, for the first day in this World Cup, I think our attention was so glued to the cricket. Yep. That it might mean that we were less looking for amusing asides we than we were. Amusing asides, and we might have been earlier in the tournament. I've got some amusing asides from what I was doing this morning uh, in the commentary box, but that's for a whole different podcast. Uh, yeah, that's for a, a, another day when we've actually got time to do it. I think that's probably the end of part one, isn't it? Yeah, I reckon. Now, quick word about our sponsors, Jeff. Have you ever thought about your dream retirement? I have literally never thought about any kind of retirement. <laughs> well. Are you keeping an eye on your super? Are you confident you're with the fund that has your best interests at heart? If I'm completely honest, I don't think I even know what fund I'm with or if I have super. <laughs> okay, well, this is very important information for you. Did you know that CBUS is an award-winning industry super fund run to benefit members rather than profit shareholders? So, for example, this year, CBUS won the CanStar Most Satisfied Customers Super Fund Award. That does sound like a deeply satisfying experience. <laughs> Well, they've put their members' interests first for 34 years, and it shows. Their MySuper option has returned an average of 9.29% over that time. That actually does sound like something I should investigate. <laughs> so consider CBUS today. Visit cbussuper.com.au. And remember that past performance is not a reliable indicator of future performance. To consider if CBUS is right for you, go to cbussuper.com.au for a PDS. <laughs> You've always wanted to do that. Yeah, I have. <laughs> This is the final word, World Cup Daily. Day 11, Adam Collins, Jeff Lemon for Seabus Super, seabussuper.com.au. Uh, throwing forward, you've got the calendar in front of you, Jeff. Hit us with well, it. Well, I do. The Australians have a couple of days to pick themselves up, put themselves back together, and take themselves down to Taunton. Hello, welcome to Taunton. It's the most English-sounding place in England. Uh, and, and they're going to go down there to play Pakistan. The, uh, the unknowns, the unknowables, they were rained off in their last game, Pakistan, so we don't know what kind of uh, outfit they are at the moment. Yeah, that's a really important game for Australia and it is for Pakistan as well due to their rain out and you know, they come up against India next Sunday, which I'm sure you'll come to. So um, they'll want to come into form before that. For Australia's part, look, we're nowhere near the stage where we can say any one individual game is sudden death, but if they want to be a serious contender at this World Cup, they've got to beat Pakistan. Yep, and uh, what Pakistan have shown that on their best day, they can thump any side in the competition. Uh, this makes up an interesting doubleheader in terms of where India goes next, because we go down to Taunton to do this game down in the southwest corner of England, and then we jump in a camper van with a couple of colleagues of ours oh, who, yeah. who are driving around the country and, and staying in a camper van, and we drive that night after the match to Nottingham, where the next day we will watch India take on New Zealand at Trent Bridge. Um, so by that stage, we will have had about two hours sleep. We will have, I suspect, done this podcast from the back of a moving camper van, um, and we will be trying not to get arrested for being travelling vagrants in the UK, and we'll end up at Trent Bridge watching another game, India-New Zealand, which should be a cracker as well, yeah, because the tasty. Kiwis are bowling beautifully, and they're batting well, and uh, they've got a, they might be the kind of side who could knock India's top order over. I want to see Lockie Ferguson bowling 95 mile an hour or 155 clicks at Virat Kohli in the first couple of overs like if that 
if that can happen, uh, that could be a very interesting day at the cricket. I want to see Jimmy Neesham taking five for against India. So, so someone put up an infographic of New Zealand's five for bowlers in World Cups, and off the top of my head, I think it was uh, Richard Hadley, Shane Bond, Trent Bolt, Tim Southey, and then there was Jimmy Neesham's five for 34 against Afghanistan, and uh, he just popped it on Twitter saying, one of these things is not like the others, <laughs> which, which was... Very good areas from Mr. Nation. As they always are. So that's where India are off to, Australia are off to. Tomorrow, what's the game tomorrow? Tomorrow, the up? game tomorrow, South Africa, West Indies. We can watch the West Indies knock South Africa out of the World Cup or South Africa claw their way back with a valiant win down at the Rose Bowl. Competing narratives on the final word as ever. This has been Day 11, Adam Collins, Jeff Lemon for Seabus Super. The industry super fun, hitting your retirement for six. Visit seabussuper.com.au. We'll talk to you tomorrow. We will talk to you tomorrow. That'll be the same we've been doing for centuries. Sorry if I ran out to empty wrote this so you know what I meant here I had to go about it, write it out and find it myself And there's some stories I can tell you Every day, hundreds of thousands of us are building a future we can all be proud of. For over 34 years, the growth CBUS My Super option has returned an average of 9.29% per annum for its members while investing in projects that not only create jobs, but something better. CBUS for all of us. To consider if CBUS is right for you, go to cbussuper.com.au for a PDS. Past performance is not a reliable indicator of future performance.